Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now, this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. 10. And today we wish you a very Merry Christmas and a joyous New Year. And in this season where words like peace, hope, and love are common, Pastor Sean has a special message for you on joy and where and how to find it. You may not have to look very far. Reachingforreallife.org has this full message and sermon notes all available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry with your end-of-year giving, then please do. There's a place to give at reachingforreallife.org. Today's part one of his Christmas message. Pastor Sean is in Luke chapter 2 and all over the New Testament. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. We are in the season of Advent. It means the coming. And it is all about expectation. Expectations. We expect the coming Messiah. We expect the second coming of the King. We expect the presence of the Lord in our lives. Expectation. I want to suggest in this context it is a beautiful thing. It is the central idea behind hope. But it's also got an evil twin. You know who expectation's evil twin is? Entitlement. Entitlement. Entitlement is that thing that says, I am owed something. I am owed something, and if I don't get it, I've been wrong. You ever experience bumped up against entitlement? It's not pretty. And it's like rampant. If COVID is a pandemic, I don't know what they call an epidemic that goes beyond the planet. Not only the whole planet, but beyond the planet. Entitlement is kind of like that. It's like everywhere it seems someone going, you owe me, you owe me, and there's a sense of disappointment. And I want to suggest that the bigger our sense of entitlement, the smaller our sense of gratitude. And I am a fan of gratitude. Gratitude is such a beautiful, powerful perspective. The greater our sense of entitlement, the smaller our sense of gratitude. And I think one of the things we see because of it, we see this crazy just proliferation of lawsuits. I mean, everywhere. When we don't get something we want, we sue somebody. I mean, did you know the San Francisco Giants were once sued for passing out Father's Day gifts to men only? Dang them. There was a psychology professor that was sued for sexual harassment because of the presence of mistletoe at a Christmas party. It was just there. We know what he was thinking. Now this is one. A psychic was actually, this happened, a psychic was actually awarded $986,000 when a doctor's CAT scan impaired her psychic abilities. True story. Now, my whole thing is, okay, you're a psychic. You didn't see that coming? I mean... You know what I'm saying. Please. But it's this idea of entitlement. Somebody owes me. Not only is the evil twin of expectations, it is a primary killer of joy. And that's the theme we want to talk about this morning. Joy. Entitlement is a killer of joy. Unmet expectations, the sense of entitlement, I'm owed. And we want to see it, we want to talk about joy today because it's one of those things that can undermine and just cut the... Cut, Chop off at the knees this sense of joy in our lives. Joy is a major theme of the Christmas story. It really is. And the whole celebration. I don't want us just to talk about it. I don't want us just to sing about it. I want us to really dive down into what the Scripture says because, sadly, joy seems really elusive for a lot of people. And that, to me, is a serious thing. Joy is not light and frivolous. It is one of the reasons he came. It is a major cornerstone of God's gift to us. And so many people are struggling for lack of joy. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading right at the beginning. 
In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire world. It was the first census which took place while Quirinius, Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. This was like, for Joseph and Mary, this was like their 2020. It's like, are you kidding me? This is one thing we didn't have to deal with this year, so I'm thankful for that, right? Everybody had to go up and go to their hometown. So Joseph, we're told, went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David. He lived in Nazareth. He's going to his hometown, David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David, Bethlehem. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Well, we know what those shepherds did. They went and found out because they believed. Let me take a moment and pray for us. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us. I pray that you'd fill us with your presence. And this morning, I pray specifically for those who hear this, wherever they're listening, I just ask that you would fill us with your joy. Fill us. Don't let, just, don't let this just be a, a message or an intellectual idea. I pray that we would have an encounter with you and we'd be filled with your joy. News that will cause great joy is what the scripture said. News that'll cause great joy. See, Christmas is a celebration of joy. And what's the news? A Savior is born. A Savior from what? You ever talk to someone about getting saved? Oh, I got saved. From what? You should get saved. Am I in danger? I mean, because there's a couple of reasons this might not be good news to you. One, if you don't think you need to be saved from anything, if you think you're fine, then news of a Savior is not that big a deal. It's like, okay, that's great for you, I guess. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. So if you don't think you need to be saved, this might not seem like great news. Second reason, if you think you need to be saved from one thing, but the salvation is from another. In other words, I'm confused about what I need to be saved from. A lot of us would say we need to be saved. What do we need to be saved from? We need to be saved from Trump. Or we need to be saved from Biden. We need to be saved from the media. We need to be saved from the government. We need to be saved from COVID. It's something out there. We need to be saved from something out there that's making my life miserable. I need to be saved from my boss. I need to be saved from my lack of a boss. Whatever it is, I need to be saved. And it's something outside of me. And the fact is, we're told, Mary is told specifically, he will be the savior of the people. And he will save them from what? From their sins. See, the enemy that I need to be saved from isn't something out there. It's something in here. It's this idea of rebellion against God. It is the very thing that destroys our lives, not just for now, but for eternity. It is the thing that robs us from the intended destiny and the gift that God has for us. That's what we need to be saved from, this sin. And Jesus Christ, we know he did save us from our sins. We know he did give his life on the cross to pay the just and right death penalty for my sins, for your sins. 
The great enemy is this thing in us that robs us of that relationship with God through his spirit. And when we are saved in Jesus, we are filled with this spirit and we become a new creation. We become what he created us to be. And so that's the good news of great joy. And that joy is supposed to be ours. The problem is, as I look around, even in the context of the church, joy is in short supply. It really is. Joy is in short supply. And I'm not just talking about 2020. I'm not just talking about the stuff we're all going through and the hassles that we're wrestling with. I'm talking about, it's almost like it is in vogue to be somewhat dark, even anxious, to be depressed, to be angry. And if you're not, if you are walking around joyful, there are people looking going, what's wrong with you? And they'll become angry with you. It's like you're not paying attention. You don't know what's going on. You're not looking around. You're living in some Pollyanna dream. I mean, can you imagine trying to be a comedian today? Think about that. Really, if that was your livelihood. I'm not talking about the fact that you can't, people can't get together for, for events, concerts, and things like that. I'm talking about just everything is dark. Everything is sour. And, man, there's always someone waiting to shoot down. I made a con- a, just a, a light, humorous comment about the irony of a photo Early in the pandemic, uh, Judge Nelson Wolf had made the thing that people need to be wearing masks, and here he was in a picture with Mayor Nuremberg talking without his mask. And, you know, and they were right next to each other. They were talking without masks, and we had just been all told we have to do this. And I laughingly said, well, we're going to comply. We're going to do this, but here's a model of how to do it. I think we're going to be fine. And it was just the irony of an oddly timed photo, Right? I, I, it, it was not meant to be some big, dark criticism. It was just a lighthearted, ha, gotcha. You know, it was tongue-in-cheek, kind of a wink-wink type thing. Oh, my gosh. I had some people jump on, jump on my, my social media feed and start telling me, I know someone who died from that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I'm not, <laughs> come on, you can't see the irony. And it's like this whole long conversation. It's like, okay, dear Lord. And you literally, we are so uptight and so wound up and looking to criticize and call out anybody. It's like, what has happened to us? What it is, is we've lost our joy. Because humor and laughter, which, by the way, are unbelievably healthy for people. They are unbelievably good for people. Look around. People are funny. I mean, Seriously. In a socially distant way, tell your neighbor they're funny. You, sir, are funny. I mean, I'm I mean, you know, it's true. People are funny. People are wonderful. People are awesome. They're fun to hang around with. And, and when there's this sense of when we handle ourselves with a sort of a, a lighthearted humility where we're not afraid to laugh at ourselves and laugh at things, it, it's like people can really be enjoyable. Humor, you know what the beauty of humor is? Humor is connection. The very nature of it is connection. Good humor is something said in a witty way that we all go, ha, I didn't think of it that way. And we all connect because we all get the joke, right? Bad humor is inside jokes when someone gets up. You know how when somebody, and then everybody looks at it. Good humor is when you say something in kind of an interesting way or an unexpected way, and everybody laughs because they all, we all connect. And in that moment of laughter, we are all together. We're all in on this. And we're, it's, it's like how we're just people. 
absence of joy is destroying humor and laughter. And I think it's a big deal. That's why I think it's really good news of great joy that we need to focus on this Christmas. And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this special Christmas message, which is available right now at reachingforreallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reachingforreallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe we were made to have a life full of meaning and purpose that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts every area of our lives. River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Rotama Park. Our current service times are 9.30 and 11.30 Sunday mornings. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life. And now back to this special Christmas message on joy. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. If you have your Bible, flip over to John chapter 15, because Jesus tells us kind of how he brought joy. I want to dial down into, other than just the good news that we have a Savior, which is good enough, right? That alone. The fact that I don't have to walk around in guilt. I don't have to walk around in fear. I am set free because of Jesus. I could just preach on that for a while. That's good news. But in John 15, he tells us a little bit about how he did that. Look what he says. Remember John 15, beginning verse 1, he tells us, he sets up this illustration. And he's walking with his disciples. You get the picture that they're, they're, they can see, and they're, they're walking. This is on the night Jesus was betrayed. This is right after the, the, their supper together, what we call the Last Supper. And you can almost picture Jesus pointing to, like, look, I'm the vine. You are the branches. My father is the vine dresser. And in verse 4, he says, abide in me. Well, you're like, well, if you're the vine and we're the branches, what else could we do? I mean, right? That's what we do. Abide in me. Live in me. Remain in me, another translation says. And I in you. It's the way a vine and a branch works. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, listen, neither can you unless you abide in me. That makes perfect sense. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone doesn't abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and he withers. And the branches are gathered, gathered, thrown in the fire, and burned. Anybody ever have a burn pile? You know how that works, right? You cut some limbs. They look great when they go in the burn pile. Give them a few days. That's how Jesus is saying, that's what you look like when you're separated from me. You can look alive for a while. But yeah, there's no power. There's no life. There's no vitality. 
It just doesn't work. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Now listen to this. This is one of the greatest promises of Scripture. And it's one that I, I, you know, I think we just need to, need to kind of let simmer a little bit. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Wow. Well, Jesus, I want a new Lexus. You're like, well, why not? Why can't I? Well, I guess that would go back to the first part. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. In other words, if I'm connected to the vine, if I'm close to Jesus, is, am I really going to be using my heart, my soul, my prayer on a car, on, on things that kind of come and go? It's a deep truth, and I think it's, I think it's absolutely Jesus meant to say exactly what he said. But just understand how much it changes me when I abide in him and his words abide in me. And how much my eyes open to the bigger picture, to the reality around me, to the eternal nature in every single person, the eternal nature of life and God and heaven and hell and all of it. And everything else kind of, well, it's still real. It's not that it's unimportant. It's just not that important. It's just not the thing anymore. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, you wish, and it'll be done for you. It says, by this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Think, remember, we're the branches. He's the vine. I want to be a branch with a lot of good fruit on it. How's that happen? By staying connected. You prove you're my disciple because you're connected because you're bearing fruit. That's what he's saying. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Remain. Live in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now listen to this. Verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Did you hear that? Did you hear what he just said? All these things, abide, the Father, the vine, the word in me, you, you and me, my word in you, all of that. He said, I just told you that so that my joy would be in you and your joy would be full. Why did you tell us this, Jesus? Because I want you to be filled with joy. I want you to be filled with joy. I don't want you just to muster up joy. I want to do something different for you. I want to do something supernatural here. I'm telling you this because I want you to be people of joy. His joy fueling our joy. And I want to suggest what he's telling us is there is no real lasting joy apart from him. If you're taking notes, write this down. The secret to finding my joy is letting, me fill me, letting him fill me with his. The secret to finding my joy is letting him fill me with his. And you're like, well, I mean, come on. I've seen movies about Jesus before. I don't think he's all that joyful. He's pretty somber. He stands around like this and says, lo, a lot. <laughs> Behold. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I think Jesus got a bad rap in some of those movies. Okay. Have any of you guys seen the, the, the series by Dallas Jenkins uh, called uh, The Chosen? And you guys seen that? How many? Yeah, okay. Way too many of you haven't seen that. So you've got to fix that. Okay, this is homework. Okay? The people who've seen it are clapping. There's not many of them, but, there, but there's going to be more. No, seriously, what's so awesome about it, it is Dallas Jenkins is Jerry Jenkins. You know Jerry Jenkins from the Left Behind series, the author, uh, wonderful, wonderful author. Um, his son. And he has produced a 
series called The Chosen, and it is the story of Jesus. But what's cool about it, it's very different, very creative, and there's, there's some dramatization to the backstories of various disciples as they come into contact with Jesus. And you get, the, he kind of puts flesh and you get to know these people. It's, I found it to be very solid as far as the biblical, you know, you obviously know, okay, we don't know that Nicodemus and his wife talked about that. We don't know what Mary Magdalene was, you know, that that's exactly what happened. But it gives you very plausible stories that brings you to the real encounters they had with Jesus. And it's very, very interesting. But one of my favorite parts is that I really like Jesus. And you're like, well, you're a pastor. I know, but I I love Jesus in the Bible. I love Jesus as his spirit in me. But sometimes Jesus I meet in literature and art. I don't know that Jesus. The angry Jesus. The somber Jesus. The kind of pathetic Jesus. Yeah, I don't know that Jesus. I know a Jesus who loved people passionately. I know a Jesus who, he laughed at people because people are funny. I know a Jesus who loved people so much he gave his life for them. And he's depicted really well. It's very enjoyable. You go, look it up, you'll go, you'll download an app that you can then cast on your TV. It's the only really way to watch it. You've got to watch it through their app. Um, and they, they do it on a love offering kind of basis. You, they ask you to make a gift to help for production, and that's it, and it's awesome. The, season one's done, and they already did it, but season two is almost done. I mean, they're wrapping up season two, so I uh, haven't seen any of that. hadn't been released yet, so really excited about that. But I'm just telling you, what, what, the re, you're like, why are you spending all this time in the message to talk about this deal? Because Jesus is joyful. When he says, my joy in you, it's like, oh my gosh. Think about things that may bring you joy. You ever gone into a beautiful setting and just like come over the kind of the ridge of, on a road and you see this incredible view and it's just like you want to stop and just take it in and it brings you joy just looking at it? Jesus made that. He sees that stuff all the time, all over the world. I occasionally come into those scenes that just stop and take your breath away and go, wow, Jesus sees them all the time. I mean, I, don't, I kind of picture he and God high-fiving. I don't know. That's made up. I, I made that up. That's my imagination. But I'm just like, his, the things that give us joy, he's more full, more experienced. It's, he's more engaged in them. Jesus is filled with joy. And he said, I want to fill you with joy. My joy. The secret to finding my joy is letting him fill me with his. Now, in John 15, he gives us several powerful keys to joy. And I want us to look at those real quickly. Number one, joy is found in connection. That's the whole abide thing. The same way a branch is connected to the vine, and apart from that vine, it just kind of withers and dies, Our joy, our life is found in connection with him. And what I want you to hear is this, okay? Not circumstance. The reading that Lauren did before, uh, beautifully done. Ryan wrote that. I just thought he did a superb job. Uh, Just did a great job just talking about that this idea, we we get so confused. Difference between happiness and joy. There's what I would call connected joy, which is what Jesus is talking about, versus contingent joy. That's happiness, and it's contingent on something else. Contingent joy is joy that happens when something else falls into place. 
Let me ask you a question. How many of you right now have situations in your life that you would say, I am not happy with? Is there anyone in this room that has no situation that you're not happy with? Looking, searching. You might be saying, I'm just too embarrassed. It's so great to be me. I am embarrassed right now to raise my hand. Okay, that, might, that may be you, all right? <laughs> Thank you for your taste and your discretion. <laughs> no, all, most, all of us. Yeah, there's things I'm not happy about. In fact, there's a whole lot of people right now who have a majority of things in their life they're not happy about. They may not be happy with where their relationships are, their work, all kinds of things in our lives that we're unhappy with. What I think Jesus is trying to tell us and what this idea of joy being, being connected to and found in connection is that that happiness or lack of happiness has absolutely nothing to do with my joy. My joy is rooted and comes from another place. And it is untouchable by circumstance. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full Christmas message on joy, it's available right now on demand at reachingforreallife.org. And while you're there, we'd love to hear from you. You can send us a note that this program has blessed you, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find the Give tab at reachingforreallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotoma Park next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.